Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness of and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, And to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage. For to this people you shall divide or us an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Amen. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen. We are talking about, we have finished talking about commanding your year, commanding your decade, isn't it? And last week I started talking about some things that you ought to do to ensure that the year becomes prosperous. Amen. It is no good saying to you, command, pray, bind, loose, and not add action to it. James said that show me a man of faith and I, without actions, and I will show you a man of actions who has more faith than the one who is talking. Because really, faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. Amen. Do you understand what I mean by that? Faith is an action word. If I say to you, stand, you will perform an action. If I say, sit, you will perform an action. If I say, run, you will perform an action. If I say, boy, what would you do? It's, it's nothing. It's a boy. If I say, pen, what would you do? It's nothing. You, you know, if, if I say, pen, the first thing is that, do you want a pen? Uh, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Where's a boy? Which boy are you talking about? Because those are nouns. 
And sometimes as Christians, we treat faith as a noun. We treat faith in vacuum. You know, like we talk about commanding your, your, your year, commanding your, your decade, commanding your day. It's sometimes it treat, we treat it as a, a noun. It's like something that we're taught in church. But how does it practically apply to your day-to-day life? What steps must you take to make what you have heard in church become useful to, to you? Am I making sense? You know, somebody was, was lamenting. A, pa- a pastor was lamenting on, uh, we have a pastor's forum. And this pastor, is, is, this archbishop was lamenting on, on the forum. And he wrote something. I don't know whether I can read it to you. But what he said, it made sense. And at the same time, I was thinking about it and I thought, why is this man saying it this way? And uh, I, I, I wish I can find it. If when I find it, I'll read it to you. But yeah. he said, "Correct orientation about pastors today. Lawyers are work. The lawyer is working. The lecturer is working. The journalist is working. But the pastor is playing a bit." Clap for yourselves. (laughs) So, (laughs) I think I should have given the pastor some to read it. (laughs) I'll read it. You think everyone else in every other profession is really busy, but it's a a pastor you say, go and look for a job. Well done. We applaud professions which don't offer real value to people, but think less of pastors who do. Footballers earn far more than doctors. Comedians earn far more than teachers. Pastors earn very little or nothing and think that is fine. How has mercy helped you in your life or given you new hope for living? How has basket mouth, he's a comedian, saved your marriage and help you deliver, help you be delivered from your addictions. But pastors are involved daily, bearing the brunt of helping people live a better life. Yet when you see them own few things, you behave as though they don't deserve anything. In case you don't know, being a pastor is one of the most demanding and sacrificial jobs I know on earth. I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for the past 28 years now. I have been to the police station, which I have been, (laughs) several occasions because of my church members. I have visited several hospitals. I have spent many nights awake because of my church members. I have traveled long distances, given up my belongings, attended marriages at the verge of divorce, and conducted funerals all because of my church members. The, the last was a family of barely four months in the church and they had an accident. The woman and her baby died on the spot. When I got there, the whole family was crying to me, asking me in tears, Pastor, why? Who else is supposed to answer such questions? 
It's always the pastor. Yet in the midst of that, he brings courage and restores hope. But when it comes to the pastor having money, people will frown and wag their tongue against it. And yet the economy is not different for the pastor. It's not different for the pastor. Everyone else cries. But when the pastor does, we say he has no faith. Everyone can bring their problems to the pastor. But who? But no one asks if the pastor has eaten. He should tell it to, the, to God. Even when... <laughs> Even when they know... They abandon him to it and say, after all, he said God has called him. <laughs> Everyone else can be forgiven when they make a mistake. But pastor's mistakes are unforgivable. And he calls himself a pastor is always the line. Everyone can be rich, but pastors, but not pastors. Else the society will begin to talk. When you read headlines, members are poor. But the pastor is rich. But you won't ever hear or read when members are rich and their pastor is poor. <laughs> you think it doesn't happen. I've seen a church where members have big cars, but they all drive home without anyone offering to drop the pastor and his family home first. Not to talk about buying him a car. And then he goes on, it's, it's a long thing, it's a long thing. But he goes on to say that the pastors help the church members to become rich. Just as teachers help their students to pass exams. And we remunerate the teachers and we congratulate them for helping their students pass. But when the pastors help their congregation to acquire wealth, we say it's part of their job. And then he goes on, he says, it's a long thing. But basically, when I read this, I mean, apart from the obvious things that was funny for me, it made me laugh. But the obvious thing was like, part of the duty of the pastor is to help the congregation to be rich. Hallelujah. And the way we do it is through the word of God. Hallelujah. And I believe that part of my, my duty for you or my, my covenant to you this year is to help you to become wealthy. Amen. Because the, the, the Bible, you see, God wants us to become wealthy. Say, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. That is part of the pastoral vocation, is to help you prosper in every area of your life. Hallelujah. So it's not good me telling that command your, your year, command your decade, command this, command that, and not practically help you to be able to do it. Am I making sense? And we start by looking at the scripture that we just read, where God was instructing Joshua how to navigate his year, how to navigate his, his walk, how to navigate from where he was, which was in transit, in the wilderness, in poverty, to the place of prosperity. Am I making sense? 
and he said to him that, listen, the first thing you must know is that Moses, my servant, is dead. What it means is that the way I did things beforehand have changed. Are you with me? I spoke to Moses and Moses will come and tell you what I've said. But Moses, my servant, is dead. Which means that I won't speak to Moses anymore for Moses to come and tell him. So this time you have to learn to hear and do things differently. Most of us as Christians, we are creatures of uh, habits. Human beings are, isn't it? We, the way we know God to do things, that is how we expect him to do things all the time. God gives miracles. So that's all. He's a miracle-working God. Yes, he's a miracle-working God. But sometimes the way he works miracles is through your work. Are you with me? But then we sit with our arms folded, hoping that a miracle will just happen. We don't know how. We don't know where it's going to come from. But God somehow will do something. Amen. But this is not what God was saying to Joshua. He said that my servant Moses is dead. Leave the, the, the Moses' era in the past. You, Joshua, arise and go towards the promised land. This time, you have to put some effort into it. Hallelujah. I said, this time, you have to do what? Put some effort into it. Amen. He says that, listen, the assurance I have given you that is that everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, know that I have given it to you. Amen. Every place your foot walks, just know and believe that I've given it to you. But how many know that when you walk in somebody's land, he hasn't given it to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? But he has given it to you. Amen. I don't know whether you, you get a picture. I always tell you that I'm not very clever, so I read the Bible in pictures. He says that anywhere your foot shall walk, I have given it to you. But when your foot walks in, does that mean it's yours? You know, when you read uh, Genesis chapter 1, you see that there's an elaborate scheme of creation. And the Lord said, let there be, 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 a whole elaborate scheme. But I'm surprised that when you go to chapter 2, he starts by saying that, and God formed and created, caused the trees and the birds and this to come and that. And then you go to around chapter, uh, verse 6, says that, and because he did not create any plants, any garden, any, any, because man was not in place to till the land. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Which means that the first creation was exactly what this one is saying. Everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. But you haven't had it yet. He has created man his own image. Verse, uh, chapter 1, 27 uh, to 28. He has created man his own image. But chapter 2, verse 6, 7, he is now forming man out of the dust of the, the ground. So what is, I, I'm a bit confused. I don't know whether you are as confused as I am. I'm confused because it's like, ah, chapter 1, he says he has formed man. But chapter 2, he's saying that now he's 
showing us how he is creating man with death. When chapter one, he never said he, the man will be formed with the from the, the the death. Are you with me? Which means that God gives us the vision of what He's going to give us, but the practicality of it, we need to put it into action. My mama says to somebody. So you see, let us not make a mistake where we come to church, we get the, the vision, we get everything like in chapter 1, and then go home and not add chapter 2 to it. Am, am, I, am I driving a point home? Are you getting it? That is where, that is where the equation falls, falls down. We don't practicalize the words we hear. And so the words doesn't profit us. Amen. He says to Joshua, everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. No one can stand before you from the great river Euphrates even to the, the uh, from where you are standing to the great river Euphrates. I've given you everywhere. No man can stand before you. But that is in principle. Like an architect would draw a house and say that I have built a house. But the house is built on paper. Or it's built on a computer. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the house is built, but it hasn't been built yet. When you go to the land, the architect will tell you, you are standing in the living room. This is the kitchen. This is uh, where the uh, lounge is. This is the courtyard. The whole thing is dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? But that is it. He's, he's built it. Amen. In the same way, this year, this decade is being built right now. Are you with me? I am building it for you to see. But then you have to go and get practically put it together. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Then you will see the building really for sure. Hallelujah. Everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given it to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sand, shall be your territory. All this land shall be your territory. It's been mapped out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know whether, the way you are being quiet, I don't know whether I'm getting through. No man shall be able to stand, verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen. That is our blessed assurance that it doesn't matter how hard things turn out. It doesn't matter how Things, the circumstances, the setbacks happen. He is with us. Are you with me? You will go through ups and downs in the year, but that's okay. He's still with you. He's still with us. Amen. It is still the same. He has not, you see, it's like God needs the ups and downs. Otherwise, we tend to, with pride sets in, or we tend to lose focus on God. The ups and downs is all mapped out. See, when you are following God, 
it is not a straight line. Hallelujah. This year will be like this. This decade will be like that. There will be ups, there will be downs. But at the end of the decade, at the end of the year, you will see practically that it has been the best year yet. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Only be strong and be of good courage. Be strong and be of good courage. Amen. Listen, life says what you are looking for, I've got it. But I'm only going to give it to those who have guts to take it. <laughs> are you with me? What you are looking for, I've got it. But you need guts. I was telling you a story about a, a, a pastor, my pastor friend who recently just bought a building in, in London. And I was his coach. I mean, this man has been talking about buying a building before we bought this building. Are you with me? And every time he's been talking about it, then at the point, sometime last year, he got to the point where he says, if you have guts, come for it. Then he said, no. It, this thing won't happen. Then I told him, no, 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 no. That is how it is. The thing is like that so that only those who have guts can have it. <laughs> if it was that easy, everybody will have it. <laughs> do, do, do you get it? At the point, they said to him that he has to put a down payment of 160,000 pounds. That is just the cash, that's cash down. He says, if I sell my house and I sell everything, I can't raise that money. And the, you see, the, the thing is that the bank will give you a period of time. And you, the period of time is like a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks. And it was like around Christmas time. And so he said, where am I going to get the money? I said, that it's, it's part. So he will call. Then when he's really down, then you call me. So it's like, I've asked everybody I know. I have, you know, begged, borrowed, stole, done everything. Like, I can't even raise a quarter of the deposit. Meanwhile, he had given like uh, uh, about 20,000 to the people. You hold 20,000 first. And then he brought a little bit more. Now they, they said, listen, if you don't finish paying by the 28th of December, you lose your deposit. And you see, and you see, he called me, lament. I said, that is how it is. We went through the same thing. You need to be strong and courageous. Otherwise, you will not get very, very important things in, the, in this life. And those type of things, they, 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 make you, they make you sit on the edge. Do you understand? You can't sleep. The other side, you can't sleep and it's, it doesn't look like God is going to come through. So he, 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 he will go to get to that point where he feels so discouraged. He feels like nothing is working and all that. Then as he gets to that point, he'll call me and I say, oh, it's like that. This, ah. And he calls me, Chris, and he calls me Chris, Christopher. Christopher, are you sure? I said, it's like that. 
don't know. But you, when you're going through this, you didn't tell me that that is how it is. I say it is like that. Life says that I have what you need. It's in my hand. If you have guts, come for it. Are you with me? And when you are going towards what life has for you, it's a very fearful thing. What if it fails? I have this. We are just about to uh, start Christmas. And it's 28th. When we start Christmas, it means nobody is going anywhere. There's no thing open. And as soon as we finish Christmas, I'm losing my deposit. What should I do? Then you call me. So what should we do? Then I say, no, don't, don't do it this way. Do it that way. No, don't do this one. Call them again. Tell them this and tell them that. Then you call, hey, hey, I've just called them. They said this. Then they said something. What should I say? So yes, I know they will say that. When they say this, you also... <laughs> so... So he went to the last phone call I got. He was like, hey, this, this, the thing is, next week we are, we are supposed to be closing home. I don't have the money. I said, no, you don't have the money. Okay. Then I said, call them and tell them this. Then, then they, 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 he called them. Then, then when he said that, they said, okay, then they will do this and that. I said, then he called me. Hey, so they said, they will do this and that. What does that mean? I said, oh, yeah, that's how I, I, that is what I expected them to say. Now that they've said this, you also say this. The long story short, he called me, Christopher, 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 Christopher. I said, what? It's come through, it's come through, it's come through. I said, I knew it was going to come through. I said, he turned, he said, he said, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm going on holiday. I'm going on holiday. <laughs> then I said, that is how it feels. When you get the thing, you are so emotionally drained, you don't even have the time to celebrate. Because it has taken so much out of you. I said, that is what life, what, that, when God gives you something, that's how it is. You thought God, you are just sleeping and then God will come. My son, my son, here. Then, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I believe I'm helping somebody. Hallelujah. Yeah. Listen, when you read the story of Joshua, you would think that it's a fairy tale. It's as if he was sleeping around and then, you know, all of a sudden, the lands, the people are just falling down, conquering them. Everywhere he passes, they all lie down. And then he, he collects the land. And then he gives them. And then he goes, they all lie down. Then he collects and gives them. And then he goes, they lie down. They, no, 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 no. No. When you read the Bible like that, you miss out. Hallelujah. When you read the Bible like that, you have it all wrong. See, we all go chapter 1 verse 8 and go to sleep. <laughs> Listen, the guy wasn't sleeping. No. He couldn't sleep. Anybody who has received anything substantial, if you ask them, they tell you the same story. The fear you go through, the anxiety, the sleepless night. By the time you get a thing, you can't even jubilate anymore. 
People around behind you will be the ones, hey, 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 and you are like, <sighs> you're telling me, hey, my people say that they won't have another service in the place in, in where they have, they normally, they want to go and have service in a new place, but I'm so tired. I said, yes, it's true. I said, allow them. You allow them to do whatever. You just rest. Because a, a mother who pushes out the baby, by the time the baby comes, she doesn't rejoice like the father and the people around. The father was like, he said, look, ah, look at my baby. We just said, ah, I had the baby. We have had the baby. You are the one calling. We have had the baby. But the one who actually pushed the baby is like, ah, 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 ah. Because it takes that much out of you. Hallelujah. People are, oh, the husband, the husband, the congratulations. congratulations. You are just walking like, yeah. You know what you have been, you have been through to get to that place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. I will not leave you or forsake you. You see, God kept telling him, be strong and be of good courage. I will not leave you or forsake you. Do you know why? Because when you go through the things, you feel afraid. Are you with me? Then secondly, it will feel as if God has left you. It will feel like God has forsaken you. Anything that you make substantially in life, you go through that. But what I want you to know is that he hasn't failed. He hasn't forsaken you. He is still with you. Don't, even when every door is being shut in front of you, know that he's still with you. Say the, the, the rod and the staff, they comfort you. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? I will not leave you. Be strong. He says, I will not leave you and forsake you. Then he goes on after that. Be strong. In fact, be strong and be of good courage. In this small passage, it's about four, five, five or six. Be strong and be of good courage. In this small passage, God said it to him about six times. I will not leave you. Be strong. Only be strong. And be of good courage. Only be strong. Because at the point, even the people, your people who are supposed to back you, they will be the one who will question what you are doing. See, maybe this thing God hasn't called us to do, get it all. Even my wife is questioning whether God's hand is in this thing. I say, oh, welcome to the club. Welcome. It's okay. Then you say that. Now I don't even know where to tend to. But even my pastors are saying that this thing maybe God God's hand is not in it the way we are struggling if it is God it will be easy uh, he gives his beloved sleep. <laughs> this sleepless night it must not be from God I say yeah you don't know through difficult times. Hallelujah. Your table is always prepared in the presence of your enemies. And part of the enemies are within. 
They are not external enemies. Sometimes the enemy is inside you. Your doubt is your closest enemy and it's always inside of you. They will give you a certain job. When you go there, you know that this job is not me. <laughs> have you ever got a job? You know that this job, I can't do it. I have not done it before. I don't have the experience. This thing is not me. At that point, you want to look, I think you made a mistake. <laughs> but I want you to know that it is you. I say it is you. And you make it work. I say you make it work. Hallelujah. So we started, I gave, started giving you a, a few things to look out for. The first one is what? Be what? Be diligent. Somebody say diligent. Be hard working. Don't be lazy. Hallelujah. Be diligent. Listen, if you go home, read the book of Joshua again. You will see that Joshua was a very elaborate planner, schemer, and hard worker. Are you with me? He was an army commander. Joshua was very disciplined. Are you with me? If you don't have discipline, you will not achieve a lot. It's amazing that charismatic Christians, we are not very disciplined. We are very lazy in the name of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 the proverb says that go to the ant, thou sluggard, and learn of its ways. They have no leader. They have no guide. One of the good characteristics, I think this year sometime, remind me, I'll talk about, I'll talk about the characteristics of the armies of God. Remind me. The locust, the palmer worm, the canker worm, the, the ant. We'll, we'll talk about all of them. One of the greatest characteristics of the ant is hard work. If you see the rock that the ant is pushing, the rock is about five times the size of the ant. Have you ever seen an ant pushing maybe like a cube of sugar or something? The thing is about five times its, it's weight, but it's carrying it and it's, and it's carrying it up. And it's carrying, it's carrying. If I gave you something three times, five times your weight, they will build a big anthill and it's all done by sheer hard work and discipline. They have no leader, but they are disciplined. Say, so we are going. We go. We are sitting, we sit. We are going. So they are always working. They are always working. You will never see them stop. They never stop. They go, they go, they go, they go, they go. Hallelujah. Jesus said that the children of this world are wiser than the children of the light because they know the price of wealth, the price of prosperity is sheer hard work. And they are very prepared to pay the price. Hallelujah. Let us be diligent this year. Amen. Proverbs 22, 29, we talked about it last week, I just want to mention it. Do you see a man or seest thou a man 
diligent in his work. Give me the original King James. I like the original King James of this one. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. A diligent person will stand in the right places. Listen, be hardworking. Be hardworking. I said to you last week that any work you are doing in this country, this part of the world, that work can give, make you a millionaire. You don't need to get a certain job before you can become a millionaire. Amen. And remember that any income you receive is not all for consumption. Can I say that again? Even if you are not working, every income you receive is not for consumption. No company spends its total revenue. Do you understand what I'm saying? The sales you've made. Have you seen that, those type of uh, uh, shop, corner shops that the, the owner comes around and says, that, What's, how much sales have you made today? And then they say, oh, we have made uh, 200 pounds. And they say, give it to me. Then they give it to them. And then he goes, he goes shopping with the 200 pounds. Do you know what's going to happen to that shop after a while? By the time you come back, it's finished. It's collapsed. Because your revenue includes your cost, your capital, and your materials. You have to remove all those things from it. And a bit of it, a very small bit of it is your labor. You don't treat it. So your income, when you get your income at the end of the month when you are paid, remember your pay is not your, your uh, remember that man, how much sales have you made? 300 pounds and take it and go shopping. No. Your income, part of it is your investment. Hello? I say part of it is what? Your investment. I said this the other day. In fact, I don't know whether any of you listen. I, I did a whole thing about uh, wealth. A few, last year. Was it last year? A couple of years ago. I put it, somebody sent it to me. Somebody sent it to me, somebody who has listened to it, not in this church, from somewhere in the world, sent, it, sent my message back to me and told, gave me a testimony. So I reposted it on my Facebook wall. Because when he said, he gave me the testimony, I'm not going to tell you the testimony, but when he gave me the testimony, I went to listen to the message again. And when I finished listening, I posted it on my Facebook wall. Because, see, and one of the things I said is that, listen, if your income only comes from your work, your salary, you are very poor. All you get at the end of the month comes from your wages. You are a poor person. It doesn't matter how much income, the size of the income, it doesn't matter. If your, say for instance, your only income is uh, 5,000 pounds a month from the job you do. You're a poor person. Are you with me? You should have a multiple stream of income. If you remember the Mississippi River, the set is not here, but those of you who are here, you know what I'm talking about. 
you should always make sure this year, make sure by the time the year is finishing, you have at least three, five, seven streams of income. Never mind how big or small it is. Amen. And there is always an investment opportunity from five pounds to five million pounds. Are you okay with me so far? Yeah. You can start a business with five pounds. Hello? Yeah. Amen. It's all about consistency. Are you with me? It's all about what? Consistency and discipline. You can buy a house by the end of this year if you are disciplined and consistent, not if you have another job. But I'll leave it alone. The next one, number two. Submit to everything you will do this year to God. Seek God's face, God's counsel before you take any step. Most of us, we take the step. When we finish, we go and tell God what we have done. Hello? Am I okay? Are you okay with me? No, don't take the step first and go and tell God about it later. And David inquired of the Lord. And Moses inquired of the Lord. And Abraham inquired of the Lord. Have you ever heard that before? What it means is that before they did the action, they went to find out from God, what do you want us to do? Don't go doing it. Ask God first. Get the peace of God around it before you do it. Are, are, you, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's not, the, it's not any job. The first job that comes out is from God. I preach a message called substitutes. You see that the substitute always comes before the real. There's always an Ishmael before Isaac. There's always an Esau before a Jacob. There is always a substitute that comes first before the real. Have you married an Esau? Oh, Jacob. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, <laughs> verse 5 to 10. Are you okay with me so far? Are we making headway this year? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What it means is that let your trust be in God. Have you seen a child like a three-year-old, a four-year-old and the way they relate to their parent? When the child jumps from the, the uh, high place, maybe the step, towards the parent, they don't even think, will he or will he not catch me? How many know what I'm talking about? The child will just jump. When the child is sitting on the hand or the arm of the parent or, or whoever, they don't wonder whether this person is going to drop me 
<laughs> or is it going to carry me? It is life and experience that makes us doubtful. <laughs> How many understand what I'm trying to say? It is life and experience because people have let you down before, because things have failed before, so you are always not sure about. So it's like I'm jumping, I'm jumping. Are you are you watching? Are you are you going to catch me? I am about to jump, and uh, then you do something just to see whether they will also. But listen, our trust with God should be like a child, a baby's trust in their parents. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Trust in God. Trust. Seek his mind on anything. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything before it starts. So trust him that he, if he has begun a good work, he is faithful to complete that same work in you. But let him begin. Don't begin and then go and say you have begun. He didn't begin it. (laughs) You began it. (laughs) Now, Lord, it's it's your turn to come in. No. Don't go and begin and call him inside later. No. Help, Lord. (laughs) No. Trust in God. I said trust. Put your trust in God. This year, put your trust. When it comes to your job, put your trust in God. When it comes to your finances, put your trust in God. When it comes to your your children, put your trust in God. When it comes to your, your job, put your trust in God. When it comes to your investment, put your trust in God. Anything concerning your life, put your trust in God. Seek him first. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge somebody? You see, when you you have, if you have a wedding ring, look at it. Look at your wedding ring right now, if you have one. The wedding ring is an acknowledgement of somebody. Are you, are you with me? When I put my ring on, it is on in acknowledgement of a spouse. So as soon as anybody sees me, they know that there's, there's a, a spouse exists. Whether they know them or not, it doesn't matter. There is an acknowledgement. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the same way, in everything, let there be an acknowledgement. So that anybody sees you, they know that they are dealing not only with you, but with somebody else. I don't know whether you get a picture. There is somebody that is there. When somebody sees me with a wedding ring, they treat me as a husband. They don't treat me as a single person. In case the person was trying to come and do something funny. When they see the ring, they will think twice. Even if the spouse is not in the area. Because there is an acknowledgement. If Satan is thinking about coming to steal from you, and they see they understand, like a man is trying to come and chase you, and then sees a wedding ring, immediately he's like, he thinks twice. Maybe 
maybe this one is not one I should go for. Let me go for somebody else who hasn't got an acknowledgement. Are you wearing an acknowledgement? Or you don't have one? How many, how, how many will we, if I was trying to, maybe I'm trying, I'm looking for a girl, and I see this one has a ring, and I see that one hasn't got a ring, I'll go to this one. Because I have a better chance there. You, you get it? In the same way, when Satan comes, and they don't see an acknowledgement, they have a better chance there. And see that, when you acknowledge him, he directs your path. So, does it mean that the ring is directing my path? Yes. Because I have a ring on. It controls what I'm, I'm supposed to do. Have you seen that those bad boys, they take the rings and put it in their pocket before they go and chase a girl? Yeah, because this one acknowledges and directs your path. So, if you want your path not to be directed, then you have to remove the acknowledgement. <laughs> do not be wise in your own eyes that is where we go wrong sometimes have you ever made a mistake before how many have made a very bad mistake it's a, you, this one was really a boo-boo if you have done that before the probability and the chances are that, is that you can do that again or you will do that again are you with me? Or you are doing it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So don't be too strong in your wisdom. In your own wisdom. Don't be too strong. Oh, this is a foolproof. This is a foolproof business. Because I know what I'm doing. I trust the people I'm working with. Hey, careful now. Somebody called me yesterday from a far place and says, oh, pastor, I have a business proposal and I know that you being a business person, you will understand. And I said, oh, yeah, what is it? He said, oh, we have started a certain uh, business and that business is like a company and they are turning plastic into crude oil. You know that plastic comes from crude. The original form of plastic is crude. Oh yeah. So now he was saying that this company is taking the plastic back, reverse it by melting it into the form of crude. You understand? And it comes to the same. It becomes the same uh, composition as crude oil with which you can either make petrol, gas, or kerosene and all those type of things. And it's a new business. Pastor, if you invest in this thing, yeah, I said, okay. And I said, you know what? Send me the paperwork. No, no, Pastor, I want you to. I said, hey. I have to talk to my boss first. So send me. Oh, ah, you mean you have to talk to your missus? No, I said I have to talk to my boss. I didn't say I'm talk, I have to talk to my missus. So send me the details. I'll talk, talk to my boss first. And then after, we'll talk. Because I have a boss. 
And I have to take it to the boss and say, hey, this is what they are saying. What do you think? And you say, no, don't touch it. Or yes. But most of us ask, oh, it sounds good, it sounds good. Hey, yeah, yes, yes. No, it doesn't sound. You see, when it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Because I asked, I asked one question. I said, what is the government legislation on this? Eh, eh, eh. Is that the formula? I said, okay. Because you see, most governments that produces crude oil, they fight to keep the crude oil at a certain price, which means that they make it so scarce. Do you know that if the natural productivity of crude was allowed, crude would be less than 10 pounds, 10 pence. Petrol would be less than 10 pence. When the actual if you have done economics, you know what I'm talking about. The actual uh, demand and supply, if it's allowed to play, it will be less than 10p. But they, they reduce the production to make the supply, the, 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 the demand higher than the supply, which pulls up the price. So they, 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 they have this OPEC people, they sit there and say, we are pegging the barrel at 60 pounds a, a barrel or 70 pounds a barrel. Then they would discuss, then America says, no, one to 70 pounds. Then uh, Iran, uh, Iran will say, to, so that is how come they've been bombing these Iran and Iraq people because those people, they are desperate. So they say they want to sell it for 30 pounds because they want ammunition. They want, uh, this Afghanistan, they've just come out of war. So they need money desperately for their. So they, they want to reduce the price. Immediately, Donald Trump sends bomb, bomb them just to confuse them. <laughs> then the, the crude oil, is, it's all about petrol. So if you come and tell me that you are moving plastic to become crude, then me too, I say, okay, here, yeah, take. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to give you an example. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because don't be too wise in your own eyes. You have a boss. Go and hear what the boss is saying. Because it's not everything that you know. Hallelujah. You see, I always say something. You are one idea away from being a millionaire. And that is very true. You are just one idea from being a billionaire. All of us in this room. So when you sleep, pray that God give me that idea. <laughs> Where am I? Verse 8. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. He will, it will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your substance and your possessions and with all the first fruits of your increase. Listen, the greatest business move anybody can do is to honor the Lord with your increase. It's the greatest business move. Me, I'm a businessman, I'll tell you. The greatest, if you want to learn how to invest, start by paying your tithe. 
If you can pay your tithe, believe you me, you can invest. Because tithe takes discipline. Are you with me? If you can live on 90, you can live on 70. You can live on 60. That is what tithe teaches you. Tithe teaches you how to live on 90 instead of 100. Are, are you getting it? And if you can live on 90, you can live on 80. You can live on 70. I always say to people that principle is the same. When you come to church first Sunday of the, of the month, you pay your tithe. As soon as you leave Monday morning, pay your tithe to your business investment. Do you understand? You pay tithe in church, pay tithe there too. Are, are you with me? And the more business-minded you become, the more I will tell you, never pay 10% tithe. 10% tithe is for class one children. <laughs> no, let me leave it. Let me leave it. We'll talk about some of these things later as we go on this year. Is that okay? Yeah. And he goes to that so that your bonds be filled with plenty. Amen. Listen, there is no greater investment policy than the investing in the kingdom of heaven. You, you missed a good place to say amen. No, no institution has more resources than heaven. Oh, you are still missing a place to say amen. I say no institution. You see, I will teach you how to invest in, in things. Invest in crude, invest in uh, oil, invest in this, invest in that. But I'm telling you, none of those institutions have as much resources as heaven. And the biggest um, places of yielding return is the place you must invest more. Do you understand? That's the, the way the smart business people think. There are some investments that are high earning. Some are low earning. Do you understand? You don't put all your investment in high earners alone. You spread it. So you put it on high earners, you put it on low earners. Do you understand? But the smart money goes on high yielding. Do you get it? But there's no higher yielding investment than heaven. Amen. I'll prove it to you very soon. Don't worry. My time is up, isn't it? Okay. So, let's do one more. Number three. Honor God with your wealth. Become a kingdom financier. How many have business partners? Give me a wave. If you have a business partner who is very productive, do you know they can make you wealthy? Okay, let's say I am partnering with you to start a shop. I am not good with running the shop or buying stocks into the shop or doing anything like that. But what I have is maybe 1,000 pounds. So I come and give you 1,000 pounds that this business we are entering, I'm giving you 1,000 pounds. 
then you also say, okay, you are also putting maybe 1,000 1, or 2,000, let's say 10,000 pounds into it. So I have a 10% shares in this business. Assuming this is a very productive person, that within six months, that 1,000 uh, 1, pounds or 10,000 pounds that maybe I put one, she put nine. So it's 10,000. Now the 10,000 has turned into 100,000. How much do you think is mine? It's 10,000. Let's say within two years, that uh, 100,000 has become 1 million. How much do you think is mine? Sorry? It's 100,000. I started with 1,000. But because I am partnering with a very productive person, my yield is running. And I said to you, there's no greater, there's no greater institution than heaven. Hallelujah. So when you become a kingdom financier, what you are doing is that you are partners with, with God. You invest in kingdom business. Pastor, what, does the church need money for anything? I'm waiting for the day where people come. Pastor, does the church need money for anything? I'm ready to buy anything the church wants. That makes you a kingdom financier. And see, when God finds one person who is ready to finance his, his kingdom, what he does is that anytime he wants to bless the kingdom, he comes to channel it through you. And as he's blessing you, what happens is that you also have more to eat. The land that gives passes the water that it receives on becomes a river. The one that is so selfish and drinks every water he receives becomes a desert. Both of them are two lands. The desert is a land drinking every rain that falls on it. The river is also a land that passes everything he receives. It passes. And as it's passing, it's receiving more. As it's passing, the liberal soul shall be made fat. As it's passing, the one that withholds more than necessary tends to poverty. And this principle doesn't know whether you're a Christian or not. It doesn't know that principle. It doesn't tell that principle is only for born again people. No, 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 no. In fact, most unborn again people operate this principle more than. You know, it's amazing. Anytime we talk about. Since we, we started Bless of the Father, I cannot tell you how many people have been chasing me at work to give me things to come and give, bring to Bless of the Father. These are people who don't, don't want to know anything about God. But if you are going to do something for charity, something for the homeless, the needy and everything, we are prepared to finance you. Yeah. The world understands that, but the church doesn't understand it. That's how come we are full of poor people, even though we are speaking in tongues. Because we refuse to be kingdom financiers. In fact, we want the church to finance us. <laughs> yeah. We want to receive from the church, not give to the church. And it turns to poverty. You see, if you understand 
God as a business person, your life will change. Your financial life will change. Yeah. God said, I am prepared to give you. Listen, I, I, my job is an accountant. That is what I practice. Until 19, uh, 2209, I understood a certain principle. I stopped, I, I resigned to go and serve God full time. Because I realized the best investment is to invest my whole life, not my money. Because the money was not giving me as much. Me, I'm a very greedy person. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And you'll be amazed how God will bless you. You'll be amazed. Let's read the scripture and go home. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessings of the Lord, they make rich and add no sorrow. The blessing of life will make you rich sometimes. But it comes with a lot of things. But when God blesses you, believe me, me there's no sorrow attached to his 